Well, good morning, South Creek. I am not Pastor Aaron. I'll say that right up front. Pastor Aaron is gone today. I'm Dan. Um, glad to be speaking with you today. I don't like to say preaching, but speaking with you today. Um, if you don't know, here at South Creek, we have different ways to give. So um, we, we pass the offering baskets, as we just did. Um, you can also pay online. You can, you can give through text. So there are different options at, at South Creek, and we just like to let you know that. Uh, if this is your first time here, there's a connection card in the bulletin. Um, we would encourage everybody to fill out the connection card uh, and place it in one, one of the baskets as you leave. But if this is your first time here, instead of putting it in the basket, we would love for you to take it out to the Connection Center, which is right out the double doors and to the right. Uh, and they have uh, a special gift there for you to kind of just welcome you and thank you for being here with us today. Um, in the spirit of Pastor Aaron, he always kind of gives a hint as to what that prize might be or that gift might be. So in the spirit of Pastor Aaron, um, now this is just rumor, as he always says, I don't know, I've heard a rumor that because it's the 50th anniversary of walking on the moon, we might have real moon rocks out there. So, or they could be stones and gravel from the parking lot, I'm not sure which. So, But we are super, super glad you have you have chosen to be here with us today. Um, before we get started today, though, I do want to thank Pastor Aaron. Um, he never ceases to amaze me. Um, I guess he was so excited that I was going to be speaking today that he decided to decorate the entire sanctuary for me today um, to kind of tie in with the message. So, you know, warmed my heart, Aaron. Thank you. No, we are excited for VBS this week. Um, we are continuing our sermon series called Water and how Jesus used water and stories of water to get different points across and how he talked about living water. And last week, Pastor Aaron spoke about the woman of, and the, at the well and how he offered her, as he offers us, living water beyond just what water gives to us, basically. Water is oftentimes something very soothing for us, right? Even young babies, sometimes when they're upset, if you can put them in a bathtub, just let them be in the water, they tend to cool down. It's soothing. If you get in a hot tub, that can kind of relieve your aching muscles as you just let that warm water just kind of run around you and, and hit those aching bodies, muscles. Swimming can be invigorating and relaxing both, depending on, on how you get into the water. And I love being around bodies of water. I mean, we have a small little creek in our, in our neighborhood, and even that, just the sounds of that little creek as the water's going over the, all the little rocks and stones and, you know, little waterfalls that are like four inches high or something, but it's still all those sounds. Or being at a lake and you hear that just the calming lapping of the waves coming up against the edge of the lake. And I especially love going to the ocean where you can kind of hear the power of the waves coming in. But water can be overall very soothing. Even for me, rain is comforting. I love falling asleep at night when you can hear rain on the outside, hitting the roof, hitting the window. Even if there's some thunder going on, I like thunderstorms. I like the rumble of the thunder. 
Something about that is calming and soothing, and it, it reminds us that, you know, rain provides growth, water provides growth, the gift from God. When we lived in Louisville, uh, the house that we lived in right before we moved up here had a screened-in porch on the back. And Mel and I would love to go back and, and sit on that screen porch during a thunderstorm and just hear the sounds of the rain and the thunder and kind of be in the middle of the storm without being out in it. It's comforting. But even though I love storms, there are times that it gets intense enough that it gets a little unsettling, right? Maybe the winds get extreme enough that you start seeing and hearing limbs snap off the big trees outside. Maybe you hear hail hitting the windows and you start wondering, ooh, I wonder what it's doing to my roof or to my car that's setting out. Maybe the power goes out and your first priority is, wow, I hope it comes back on before my ice cream melts. Priorities, right? Or, as it has happened in Kokomo too many times recently, maybe there's a tornado that comes that not only has power of destruction, but can also be dangerous, can put our lives in peril. This is a photo that I took of a funnel cloud in Ohio about 12 or 15 years ago. And even though it wasn't a huge funnel cloud like what came through Kokomo a couple years ago, it was both exciting and a little bit fearful. Exciting because the adrenaline starts rushing and you kind of feel and you see the power and things start to go through your mind. But even though... I could tell it wasn't coming my direction. It was crossing in front of me, and other cars were, we were all pulled off on the side of the highway, and everybody was out with their their cameras and taking pictures. There was still something unnerving about that, knowing that if that came down and touched the ground, what might happen? What might it destroy? Who might it hurt? Storms are not always calming. Life can give us personal storms, too. And they can be just as powerful as tornadoes. What storms have you weathered in the past? Maybe you've had to go through a health issue, financial problems, a bad relationship, an addiction, loneliness, Death of a spouse, loss of a job, a marriage that's been destroyed, depression. This list could go on and on and on, unfortunately. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what Jesus did in the midst of a storm and talk about whether we can use some of those lessons in our lives today. As we start our passage, know that before this, Jesus had been preaching to a large crowd, probably maybe for several hours. People would travel miles and miles and miles to hear him speak. So he probably didn't just speak for 20 or 30 minutes most of the time. It was probably a daily event. So he'd been speaking to this large crowd for a long period of time. And even though God is completely God or Jesus is completely God, he's also human, right? So he was tired and exhausted, and he was ready for a break. And this is where we start to pick up our story. Uh, We will be reading from Mark, 
this story is not all actually in three of the Gospels, but we will be sharing the Mark version today. Uh, chapter 4, starting with verse 35. When evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd behind, and they took him along in a boat, just as he was. There were also other boats with him. A wild storm came up. Waves crashed over the boat. It was about to sink. Jesus was in the back, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and ordered the wind to stop. He said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the waves died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith at all yet? Well, the disciples were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So before we dive into this, I'd like to share that, that my wife uses this example to say that, yes, I am very much like Jesus. I like to boast about that. I am like Jesus. I, too, can sleep through a storm. That's about the extent of it. But first of all, this account reminds us that, that Jesus was human. He got tired just like we do. He had had a long, hard day. He was tired. He needed to rest. He wanted to go to the other side of the lake, away from the crowd, away from the townspeople, where it was quiet. And while they were crossing the lake, this huge storm pops up out of nowhere. And this must have really been a huge storm. Because think about this. The disciples were with him. Several of the disciples were fishermen. They were used to being on the water a lot. They had been on the water for years. So if this storm was enough to scare the disciples... This was probably a pretty big deal. They thought that the boat was going to sink and that they were going to drown. What were they going to do? Who or what do you turn to when a storm hits you? When life happens and something really bad hits you, who or what do you turn to first? Maybe it's a person. It could be a friend, a spouse, a parent, a child, a brother, a sister. Maybe you turn to anger. You want to hit something. You start cussing. Maybe you turn to alcohol or food, something else to calm you. Maybe you isolate yourself. Maybe you go shopping or gambling and spend money you don't have. Maybe you go back to an old habit that you thought you were done with for good. Now, people can help you through certain storms, right? But can you always count on people 100% of the time? People move. Sometimes across town, sometimes out of state, sometimes across the country. Unfortunately, people also die. We don't have everybody around us that we used to have around us. And I know that this never happened to you, but sometimes people disappoint us. Whether they do it purposefully or not, sometimes 
they let us down. Maybe there's an addiction that you run to during a storm. It might help you ease the pain for a little bit and take your mind to a different place to where you don't have to think that sto- about that storm for a little while. But guess what? After those few hours, the storm is still there. And now you have not only one storm to deal with, you have a second storm to deal with too. Who or what do you turn to in a storm? The disciples turned to Jesus in the storm. Jesus was exhausted. He was sleeping. He was sleeping so soundly that even though the storm was going on around him, the boat was probably rocking. People on the boat were probably screaming and yelling at each other about what to do. He was sleeping through the whole thing. But they weren't afraid to wake up Jesus when they needed him. Once they woke him up, he performed a huge miracle. He says a few words, and the storm just dissipates and disappears. Well, the disciples were amazed. They were shocked. They were, you know, they had seen him do miracles before, but this wasn't just, you know, healing and ailment. This was like taking on nature. But Jesus doesn't even give them time to stop and appreciate this and let it soak in before he asks them a curious question. He says, don't you have any faith at all yet? Or as the Gospel of Luke words that same question, where is your faith? Where is your faith? If I were a disciple, I think I would be more than a little bit peeved at that moment. Just being honest. Jesus, I left my family. I left my home. I've been following you across the country. I've been traveling, walking hundreds of miles with you to who knows where. We're we're jumping from town to town to town. I gave up my livelihood, my career, my family to follow you and to learn from you. And you say that I don't have faith? You ask me why I'm afraid in a deadly storm that could have drowned us all. I'm the one that woke you up to try and save you. And you ask me if I have faith. Really? But this is how important Jesus thinks faith is. Even in the midst of this storm and this huge situation where the disciples are scared to death, Jesus asked them about their faith. That's how important it is to him. Jesus didn't come to earth to calm storms. He didn't come to take trouble out of our lives. He didn't come to stop thunderstorms or hurricanes or cyclones or floods or tornadoes. He came to save us. And because of that, he came to teach us about faith. That is what this story is really about. We know this because of that question that he asked the disciples the ones who should have faith, about their faith. Why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith at all yet? Where is your faith? God said this in the book of Isaiah. So do not be afraid. I am with you. Don't be terrified. I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. My powerful right hand will take good care of you. I always do what is right. I am with you. 
I will help you and make you strong. It doesn't say he's going to remove that storm or stop the storm or take away the pain from that storm that the storm caused. Scripture says he will help you and make you strong. How many times after we go through a terrible storm can we look back after we're on the other side and feel like we're stronger because of that storm? We probably don't feel strong at all while we're in the middle of the storm, right? But once we're on the other side, we can often see how God used that to make us stronger or to help us struggle and grow or to learn something meaningful or to even put us in a spot where now we can mentor others who are going through that same storm. In fact, not only did God never promise that we wouldn't have trouble, Jesus actually tells us that we will have trouble. These are the words from John 16. Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that you can have peace because of me. In this world, you will have trouble. But cheer up. I have won the battle over the world. Jesus says right there, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have storms. Life will not be perfect. It won't always be easy or fun. We may not be able to understand why certain things happen to us. But what does he say next? Cheer up. I have conquered the world. I am bigger than the troubles in this world that you will face. That is good news, folks. You will still have trouble, but God is bigger than those troubles that you have to face, and he will be there with you in the midst of them. So what do you think? Has Jesus really conquered the world? Well, the disciples saw a miracle that day that even they had a hard time understanding. They knew Jesus. They had followed him. They saw him give sight to a blind man. They saw him cast out evil spirits. They saw him heal a paralytic and a leper. But on this day, they saw Jesus do something bigger that wasn't just a physical ailment. This was something bigger than one person. This was taking on nature. While maybe they thought they knew who Jesus was, they had underestimated. They didn't know everything that he was capable of. If we're being honest with each other, how often do we still underestimate God today? Do we always truly believe that he is bigger than all of our problems? Sometimes it's easy for us to pray for someone else and their troubles and think that God is bigger than that. But once in a while, when we get set in something in the midst of a big storm that we feel like we can't handle, do we always feel like God is bigger than our problem? Do we always count on him to do that? Or do we try and take care of it ourselves? When we're outside in a rainstorm, we usually try to shield ourselves from it, right? We put on a rain jacket. We might use an umbrella. An umbrella doesn't stop that storm from happening, right? The storm continues, but it helps shield us from the rain and from the storm. That 
is kind of like faith. Faith is like our umbrella in the midst of a storm. It doesn't take away the storm, but as our faith grows, it can help us deal with that storm in a different way and help us from getting drenched quite as poorly. It doesn't usually miraculously make the storm go away, but our umbrella and our faith can help us deal with that. So where is your faith? Some of us in a storm get out our umbrella. This is going to do the job, right? Covers me, going to keep the rain off of me. I feel pretty good about where I'm at. My faith is pretty, you know, keeping me safe, helping me deal with the storm, allowing me to get through it to where I don't get completely drenched. As long as the storm doesn't get too bad and maybe the sides go up on me. I also hear some people that sometimes say, well, yeah, I have a little bit of faith. I don't go to church a lot, but I have a little faith. They can honestly say they have an umbrella, right? But is this going to do me too much good when the storm hits? It's fun to carry around and say that I have it, but it may not be real helpful to me. There are other people that have had an umbrella of faith. Maybe they've gone through a difficult time in life. And that time or that storm or that situation beat them up a little bit. They feel like their faith has been tattered and torn. The structure is still there. They they still have faith, but the storm beat them up. It's not going to allow them to be protected from future storms as well as they should. When your umbrella looks like this, don't give up on it. Try and get it back to this. And we can also say, my faith is substantial for me. It's doing the job. But, you know, things can happen. This is still a little bit flimsy. You know, this will protect me in a shower, but if winds get too difficult, I should probably try and increase my faith a little bit more. So as I get to know God better, as I rely on him more, as I pray more, as I look into scripture more, not only is my faith sturdier and heavier duty, But now look what happens. I have room to bring other people in from the storm too. Because my faith is strong enough, I can invite other people in. So now, is this as far as I need to go? Hmm. Well, I don't know. God may still be pushing us to do something else. Something bigger.
What do you think, South Creek? How am I looking now? How am I looking now? Not only can I bring somebody in, but not only do I have to hold my faith anymore, this is strong enough, this is bold enough, this is sturdy enough, I'm available to do other things now that I couldn't do before when I was holding my own umbrella. Which umbrella describes your faith? Let's look at three questions right now about these umbrellas. Which umbrella am I today? Be honest, where are you at today? Which umbrella do I hope to become? Where do I want to get myself? And number three, how do I get there? If I'm here right now, I may not be able to get to this tomorrow. But I can go from this to this. But how do I get there? How do I get from here to here? Let's look at three quick ways of how this story in the scripture shows. Number one, be sure Jesus is in your boat. It's a lot easier to wake up Jesus if he's right there with you. Be sure Jesus is in your boat. Build that relationship now so that when that storm comes, he's already in the boat with you. Number two, don't be afraid to wake Jesus up. No problem is too small. A lot of times as adults, we fall into that, right? Kids have an issue in the middle of the night. I heard a story about that this morning. Kids have an issue in the middle of the night. They run right into you in the middle of the night and they wake you up. As adults, sometimes we can be a little bit fearful or afraid to ask for help. It shows weakness. No. Jesus wants you to wake him up. Your life is important to him. Your needs are important to him. Number three, have faith. Don't underestimate what God can do. We think of things in human terms. terms. We want to fix problem A. Jesus is probably already seeing where we're going to be, not tomorrow, not next week, but plans that he has for us down the road. Don't limit him by our human mind. Let him do what he has planned for you. I completely lost my mind tonight. I didn't realize, sorry. So the question remains, South Creek, where is your faith? Which umbrella represents your faith when a storm hits you? Are you pretty good where you are? Just kind of content and satisfied? Or are you ready to push yourself to get to the next umbrella? To do the next thing that God has planned for you once you increase that faith? And so that you can weather the storm that's next in your life. Because another storm is coming. We just don't know when. So when your next storm comes, 
have your big faith prepped and ready to go so that Jesus can calm your next storm. Amen. Let's stand and